Well, uh, hi, Mike. Welcome to Divergent Opinions. Hi. How's it going? It's going okay. What's new in uh, the world of Divergent Media Incorporated? Um, what is new? We launched a Facebook page. <laughs> you should like us on our Facebook page. Uh, just make sure you're doing it ironically. Uh, yep. This is all part of my plot to get Mike to become a Facebook user. It's not going to work. We shall see. Soon you'll be poking and liking and I don't really know what else you do on Facebook. Do people play Farmville still? I don't... Can't you send, like... I know you can send cookies and stuff now. Okay, yeah. Like real cookies. Oh, well, I'm okay with that. Yeah. You can send me cookies. I might send you one back. Probably not. Um... We're going to NAB, sort of, next next week? Two weeks. A week. Pretty much a week from when people are going to hear this. Ugh. It's coming up. It's soon. It seems like it's going to be a uh, big show this year. Yeah. It's been getting better um, the last few years. So. Definitely. So, yeah, we should talk about NAB a little bit. Let's do um, that. We are going. We are not having a booth. We'll be at the Media Motion Ball, giving away stuff in the raffle. We'll be at uh, the LA Creative Professional Users Group. Yeah. Lock Pug. I don't know how to say it anymore. Um, Lacey Pug. Um, the Super Meat, as it is known colloquially. True. Uh, we will have a table there, so we'll be showing our software, and we will also be giving stuff away in the raffle. Um, we're going to be at the Mixing Light Mixer on Sunday night um, for all the colorists out there. And we're going to be at the um, Inland Film, Inland Empire Film, that group. We're going to be at their uh, Kiss Mini Golf. Woo! that night yeah <laughs> we didn't make Black it to kiss mini kiss golf mini last golf. year so i'm pretty excited about it it should be good no no it, it won't why i i it's kiss mini golf i mean i if it was good i would be really disappointed i hope it's horrible which part what don't you like kiss or mini golf or black lights all of it i mean i i, I love it all in in that it's all awful Oh, Mike. Um, So, yeah, at this point, I guess we don't have stuff later in the week, but if folks want to uh, either get together or just have a chat, we'll be hanging out on the show floor and wandering around. So let us know. Yes. And otherwise, NAB. Yeah, I mean, what are you excited about this year? What's coming? Um. I mean, I'm sure there'll be some surprises, um, software surprises and things. Um, uh, we're going to see a lot, a lot of drone type things. We started seeing that last year, but I'm sure there's going to be even more this year and, um, Hmm. other, yeah, interesting camera rigs. Those are always fun to see. Um, from the camera perspective, you know, we'll have obviously more 4k stuff. And so I'm interested to just try and get a vibe for how people are handling their 4k workflows, codec wise, um, processing wise, output wise, um, and, you know, see where we can fit into that potentially. Um, I don't know what else, you know, it'll, I think 
mostly be a show about iteration, but, um, you never know what the, you know, what black magic will show up with. If their booth is going to add another 10 feet this year, I don't know. And, and I don't, it didn't look bigger in the map. Maybe. Okay. Yeah. They might announce some acquisitions or I don't know. It'll be interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, it seems like 4k is going to be the big thing. Um, I don't know. How much are we going to leave behind Rex 709 this year? Is this the year for that to disappear? Um, I mean, not in broadcast, not in like well, not the, in, yeah. the chunky middle, but uh, on the high end, definitely that's already happening quite a bit. And I think, you know, that pace is only going to pick up as the workflows get better. Yeah. Well, workflows, and then we also need ways to monitor in P3, and we need. Right. Yeah, I don't know what's going to happen there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Seeing all the different monitoring stuff is always interesting as well. Um, you know, the fancy OLEDs and DLPs and other things. Apparently I didn't know this. I, I went to I, like, listen to an ACES, um, talk today and I didn't know that Adobe had a hundred thousand to one contrast ratio monitor. That's pretty good. Yeah. That's uh Let's get one of those. Yeah, I'd be okay with that. Um So yeah, and I, I don't know if there's any other is there any other NAB stuff you're expecting? Actually there hasn't been that much news coming out of NAB yet, but I mean next week we'll see a I lot mean, of I mean laser projectors releases. will be a thing this year. Yeah. In a big way. Um like I know Christy just did a demo last week of one down in LA. Like you could go see a movie in it. Um, so I think those are coming. Um, we'll have some news about Adobe CS 6.5, I would assume, um, or, you know, updates to Creative Suite. They've yeah. announced their sort of TikTok model, and they're going to be showing off some new features in After Effects and other So things. this is a talk year, right? Not a tick year? Uh, except doesn't Intel use TikTok backwards? I don't know. I think what Intel. I think for Intel, because Intel has a TikTok's update cycle, and for them, the tick is the new processor. Or right. no, the talk is saying. no. The talk is the new processor, and the tick is the die shrink. I that think, makes no sense. I think I'm right about that. Hold on. Now I want to see. Either way, they're wrong. In saying it that way. Well, it was. Um, yeah, tick is the die shrink is to- and talk is the microarchitecture. It was explained to me that it was because the way Intel thinks about technology, the thing that gets them really excited is the die shrink. shrinking, yeah. yeah. Um, and so they consider that the exciting bit and the whole new microarchitecture is the, the boring. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, that makes sense to me. So, so everyone agrees that tick is the important one, the big one. Right. Well, okay. everyone except Intel. Well, okay, yes. Everyone except you looking at Intel. Well, because Judging everyone else thinks that the market architecture is the interesting bit. But Okay. Anyways, this is going to be the small year. For Adobe. Yes. Yes, because last year was CS6. Right. Right. And um, Their new Roto stuff looks nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, I had my first chance to use the Roto brush this week and that was interesting. And now they're adding Roto brush with Roto paint and a variety of other things. So 
with edge enhance. Yeah. That looks nice. Yeah. At least, you know, in their, their sample use cases, it was pretty impressive. And, um, my experience using rotor brush and an actual use case was equally impressive. So yeah, it could, it could totally, I could see how it would work. I mean, that doesn't seem impossible. Yeah. It do well. I mean, you know, it, it's a nice technology in that it's actually helped rather than hindered by having more pixels. And, um, you know, I think for a lot of use cases, it, it's probably fine. Are we going to see any 3d this year or is it gone? I mean, there'll be some, but it's definitely not something anyone's excited about. It's over. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, I, I guess, yeah, I guess, um, Oculus wouldn't come to this show, but you know, that's the only interesting thing in the 3d space for me at the moment. Oculus, the Oculus rift. It's the, um, VR. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but that's less about the 3d and more about the head tracking, I think. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'd love to try one of those at some point, but I don't think they'd come to this. Um, and yeah, other than that, um, it'll be really interesting to see what the vibe is like at the Avid booth. Um, it seems like Avid is continuing to have bad week after bad week. And I don't know how many bad weeks they can sustain before someone swoops in and takes But the they're company. definitely gearing up for the show pretty heavily. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, they're presenting at, at the super meet, something top secret. They're, you know, they seem to be hinting at the fact they're going to have a big presence this year. I don't know. I mean, most avid editors have not given up on them. No, I, and I think that's the interesting thing is that they, they still have loyal users. The problem is the structure of the company is such that they can't make money by having loyal users. Right. So what? So they get bought by... They don't get bought by anyone in the industry. I mean, you know, maybe private equity or maybe... Right, so they get bought by private equity. That seems like the only thing that works at this point. And, I mean, in that case, bad week after bad week works out really well for them. Well, I mean... I mean, for the private equity firm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would say at this point, the most likely thing is someone buys them, spins off Pro Tools and some of the other businesses, and, you know, dramatically scales back to just harvest the income from the loyal user base and the install base. And, um, I don't know. And doesn't invest in R and D. Well, you invest to some extent, but I think scaled back and much more focused. Okay. So you, you get rid of pro tools, which is probably doing pretty well, right? Uh, I don't know. I don't know what the sort of team size versus sales are. are, Obviously seem to be, I mean, they're definitely market leader there. Right. As far as mind share. Right. They should uh, be able to be profitable, whether they are or not, again, is a reflection on the operation of the right. business. Right. Um, and then what what do you do to refocus the, the video, the editing side? I don't know. I don't know enough about the sort of size and scope of the organization in terms of where they're devoting resources. I mean, the problem is they've got, a, they're devoting resources to a lot of things. It seems like, I mean, they've got news cutter, they've got unity, they've got ISIS, they've got, I mean, they really do like a lot of stuff. Yeah. 
and I think they lose. I I don't know if, how much of that they can toss before they're in trouble. Well, the, keeping the large people. Right. Right. And I mean, it's always going to be expensive for them to service all of their large clients, but I. I fundamentally don't believe that they should be in as bad a shape as they are. I think that it's mostly really bad management and just, you know, a bad direction. Um, you know, they're now being sued by investors because of their perpetually delayed earnings reports. They continue to have issues around their financials. Um, NASDAQ is threatening to delist them. Yeah. Um, they've lost, you know, half their value this year. Right. I mean, I assume that it by not listing any of their financials is because they're shopping around for a... Oh, no, no. I mean, they you, would be in... The lawsuits, if that, if that was the case, would be ridiculous. Shopping around for private equity? Yeah, I mean, you can't, you can't, you can't delay your earnings announcement as a public company because you're trying to manipulate your price. Right, but you can't delay it for any reason, really. No, I mean, that's, that's why they're getting sued and why they're going to be delisted. But um, they were pretty clear that they delayed because of past mistakes. Um, I think if they lied about that in order to shop to private equity, it would be the case where, you know, directors start going to jail, not just uh, lawsuits. Hmm. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. I mean, you know, they've got, I think, uh, 30 days now to get NASDAQ happy. Um, and that'll, you know, they would be in really big trouble if they got delisted. So unless they were ready to get bought by then. Right. Yeah. Um, sort of similarly in that space, there was news today. Today is when Thursday, the 28th, um, about, Apple making a new push or, or really gearing up for a push on Final Cut X. Have you looked at any of this stuff yet? So all of this goes back to an LA Times article, right? Right. That's the only thing that's actually, that's the only there there, right? Right. I mean, in conjunction with updates to the Final Cut suite today. Right. But it just, I didn't see anything in the article. No, I mean, it's mostly like, just... Doesn't Apple s- always say that they're really interested in having pro users? Um, but I think the assertion here is that it's, you know, intentional, that they're intentionally going out and launching this new campaign where it's... I mean, they haven't had a sort of any sort of coherent marketing around Final Cut X up till this point. Right. And so this will be the first time they're actually trying to advertise it as a product, and they've got this message they're pushing. And What's the message? Well, mostly that people are actually using Final Cut X, despite what you've heard, um, and that it's better in a lot of ways for a lot of things. Right. Um, you know, they've got a lot of a lot of people who either looked at it early on or who didn't even look at it early on who have made these opinions or formed these opinions about the fact that it's uh, horrible software, and they need to figure out a way to get those people to revisit those ideas potentially. Um, it's, I mean, but I mean, in a lot of ways, this is just relaunching the page they used to have for final cut, right? Yeah. Although my impression is they're also going to be actively marketing it outside of just hosting on their site. Um, I guess we'll see, we'll see what their presence is at, at NAB. I would imagine that this will coincide with something, right? I mean, 
I mean, they'll go to... They're not doing a booth, right? No. Unless they've managed to hide that somehow on the map. I mean, it isn't impossible. They could throw an event um, that they wouldn't announce till pretty late. They could... Uh, I mean, you know, if they really wanted to get everyone talking, they would throw an event and announce the new Mac Pro, right? Right. Um, pretty unlikely, but... I don't see that happening, though. I mean... But that said, I mean, you know, it was only a few years ago that they... Well, it was two years ago that they, at the last minute, said, hey, can we have the super meet? And it was, right. you know, only the, the few years before that that they were actually throwing full keynotes at NAB that they would announce late, so... Right. Yeah. I don't know. Has anyone checked Randy's schedule for the week? <laughs> is, is that public? No, no. You just, like, call up and ask. Do they you... have, like, a CalDev account I can subscribe to? Yeah. Um... You just need his email address and his date of birth. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting. I because I, you know, I'm positive on Final Cut X, and and it's nice to see them talking to people who also are positive because it is sort of strange when you meet these people who are just totally shocked at the notion that anyone is using it. Um, because they haven't given it a chance. And I, I just, I hate to see that in general with technology. People have written off something without even looking at it. Um, and it's, um, yeah, it's sort of amazing how much of, how much of people's professional, like, you know, like the tools they choose to use and the, the things they choose to learn are based on fashion. Right. And I mean, I'm fine with like making a conscious decision to be like, you know, we're not going to launch this product until it works with final cut seven, because final cut is where all the cool kids are like that. You know, if you know you're doing it because of fashion or like I, you know, I cut an avid because I want jobs, you know, I want avid style jobs. I know that that means I get an assistant editor and I know that that means I probably get a lunch break. Like, that's all fine. But when people are just like, no, here it's not for professionals. Like, what the? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's something I, you know, I hear from our users a lot when I'm on calls with them. Um, and and I have to sometimes decide whether it's worth trying to address, not so much related to Final Cut in particular, but you'll hear them sort of, you know, parroting some meme about a piece of technology you know um i i use the software this way because canon's cameras have this flaw or you know, right. that, that isn't really based in reality maybe was at one point maybe wasn't and some forum sort of decided it was but it becomes law becomes fact um right it's because my hard drive is more than 80 percent full right yeah um and it's just my yeah. ssd is more than 80 percent full that's why i'm dropping frames right it's something I always try and force myself to question, you know, if I hear myself puppeting the same thing too many times. But, you know, it's like, I, I feel like the, um, um, you know, flash your PRAM, rebuild your permissions, you know, run disk check sort of line of reasoning has died down a bit. But for a few years, that was sort of an example of that, that um, no matter what the problem was with a computer, those were the recommended steps. Yeah. I don't know. So what's the, um, 
So are they going to get people back? I think, you know, some people will move back and they'll continue to get new users. I would hope that part of this new focus on Final Cut X involves pushing back into higher ed and into K-12 and getting in front of, you know, the younger filmmakers. Um, And, you know, I don't think they'll ever regain the place they were because the market is just in general too fragmented at this point. But I think that's fine. I don't think they're, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the one, in a way, Final Cut kind of killed off Final Cut as a juggernaut by making it so affordable. Right. Like, what they did, what used to be that, like, you bought into a system and it was too expensive to buy into a second system unless you were running, like, a post house and you were building another room. Like, that other room could be a different system because, you know, that way you could take on those kinds of jobs coming in. But, like, you know, it was so expensive to build one of these things out before that, like, you would choose your thing and then, you know, pay for upgrades. Right. Whereas, you know, Final Cut sort of drove the cost of everything down to a point now where you're like, oh, yeah, I got them all. And they're all installed. Right. And commodity hardware, you know, the fact that they all work with Blackmagic cards and the fact that... And an 11-inch air. Right. And they, they all work with the same storage and, you know, you can move files back and forth in general. And, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's there's a lot less vendor lock-in across the board. I, you know... And 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 of course the reality as well is that all of the cho- a lot of the choices out there are really good, you know you you no one would make fun of you for choosing CS6 or Avid or Final Cut or um, you know Vegas or a variety of other good options now depending on the project. Yeah. So. It's nobody real would. Right. Plenty of people will. Yeah, but. You know, there are still people who make fun of you for using a Mac. So. Right. So we'll be, yeah, it'll, it'll be something I'll be watching at the show, the Final Cut X and what the vibe is like around that. We'll see. So did you watch Veronica Mars? The show? Yeah. I think I saw it a couple times. Okay. I, 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 I know the plot. I don't think I ever saw it. Did okay, you? so Veronica Mars was basically... The hip WB version of uh, like the Party Boys or Judy Bloom or something. Okay. So high school girl going through all of her high school problems. Also, it's a detective. Um, her dad's like the sheriff in town, but she's the one who solves all of the like high school crimes. Okay. And some real crimes. Um. Nonetheless, WB standard, like, teen problem drama um, was apparently fairly popular. Um, And so they decided they were going to make a movie, and they put it on Kickstarter, and it made a lot of money very quickly. Right, so it's up to $4 million and some dollars. It is, okay. But the first day they hit their $2 million goal. Right. Within 24 hours. Yeah. And so I guess, I mean, the reason why I put this on our list is it kind of, it begs a lot of questions about Kickstarter now. Now, why is that? I've heard that from other people and I don't really get the thinking around this. Okay. So there's a few things we can just get rid of right away. So a lot of people are like, look at this. This means you can do like anything on Kickstarter. 
And, you know, my reply to that is like, it's amazing how much money you can raise on Kickstarter if you have 15 years and the, you know, the marketing budget of WB behind you. Right. <laughs> you know, like, great. You know, I'm sure you could make another Rocky sequel on here too, pretty easily. Um, or a Bond movie. But, I mean, what I find interesting about it is like, so WB refused to do this. Like, they went the traditional route. They're like, hey, you guys own the rights. We can't even make this movie. How about you make the movie and we'll make it for you? And, you know, WB was like, meh, I don't know. It sounds like a risk. Aren't all those people growing up now? And doesn't everyone want to move on from high school? And they said, I don't know. Let's check on Kickstarter. And Kickstarter said, no, no one wants to move on from high school. Um, and so I just, it seems like there's a very good chance that this is going to become a thing. Yeah. You know, What's like. What's the negative, though? Well, I don't know, because it can go two ways. You know, what this allows you to do as, you know, a feckless little shit of a producer at one of these companies is before you used to be like, oh, my God, you know, it is so scary doing my job and choosing movies. I better make a remake of a children's game. You know, like maybe we can make Battleship 2 because that will probably make enough money. And, you know, Marvel will pay for half of the, or, you know, Milton Bradley will pay for half of the marketing budget on it. Um, and so maybe this means that you can have some balls because you don't actually have to make the movie. You just have to make a five-minute Kickstarter video. Um, you know, you can actually be like, hey, we came up with an original idea. We want to make a movie. Here's the trailer. Do you want to fund it? And at that point, like, the funding isn't even really about paying for the movie because movies are too expensive. I mean, even this $4 million isn't going to pay for this movie. Warner Brothers is still going to pay the real money for it. Um, so maybe you do this as, like, a way to gauge interest in a real way because you can ask people if they want to see something and they're going to say yes unless it costs them anything. Um. But the other option is, you know, maybe they're just going to take every single board game ever and make a trailer and shotgun. And, you know, we're going to start making movies on, you know, instead of doing our final cut of our movie based on, um, like, viewer feedback, we're going to make the actual movie itself based on viewer feedback. Sure. But, I, I mean, I, I guess the counterpoint to that is that plenty of movies right now are essentially crafted entirely based on focus grouping and sort of brand marketing analyst people, you know. Um, right. I, I think that this is just one more, you know, one more path um, that some movies will, will take. But I think that traditional fundraising and all, all the other ways that movies get made is going to continue to happen. I don't see this sort of supplanting things, but I think, you well, know, I don't think the money's there for it to supplant things. Right. But I think it's a really, really cool way for, um, you know, projects in this space to be able to move forward or do something cool that takes a lot of money and, and, you know, prove that there's an audience out there, you know, 
what Firefly fan doesn't wish this was around when Firefly got canceled. Um, but I mean, here, this is going to be the problem. You know, this is going to be exactly like Firefly. You know, a bunch of people get all up in, you know, in a lather and they convince the company to put real money behind making a real movie. And no one's going to, I mean, literally every, there are 62,047 people who are going to go see this movie. And I can tell you who they are. (laughs) You know, like there's no one on the face of the earth who's going to go see this movie other than the backers. You know, this movie is going to flop. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't think that's true at all. But we'll see. I don't know. I mean, unless they're not releasing it in theaters. Because, I mean, is there a way to get a map of where these people are? I'll bet they're not in one place. Well, right. But, I mean, plenty of worse movies than this get more than 62,000 viewers. Right. But I'm saying they don't make money. Well, but movies don't do well to make money. Yeah, yeah. But, you know what I mean? Like, they don't break even. Sure. Like, even once you get rid of all the fake accounting, like, plenty of movies just weren't worth making financially by the time you're done. Yeah. Well, we'll have to revisit this one because I think, uh, I think you're wrong. I think this is going to be like Firefly, where a lot of people, a small minority really wanted it, and it did not pan into a large minority kind of wanting it. Well, it's all going to come. I mean, it's going to come back to whether it's a well-crafted movie or not. I mean, they they could make it a movie that's just full of in jokes for the hardcore fans, or they could make an actual movie. I know. Yeah, I don't know. Um, we'll see. Obviously, it'll be a while before the movie is made and distributed, but we'll keep an eye out. Um, and if you wanted to watch that movie on YouTube. You oh, might God. find that it was really slow, as we've I discussed almost moved in the past. This. I almost moved this one when, as soon as I realized, like right at the last minute, like, oh, shit, it's going to be a segue. I've got these all lined up, too, you realize. Um, uh, we'll just throw a link in, but we, we've talked in the past about the fact that YouTube and video streaming sites, like, sometimes just don't work, um, which seems strange given that we have, you know, infinite bandwidth. and so, Regularly don't just work. Right. And Ars Techna has a nice article on the the whole concept of latency and one of the reasons that even when you have lots of bandwidth sort of in terms of number of bits per second, you can still have very slow performance because of, one, just the realities of distance and, two, the way the TCP stack works and the sort of large amount of back-and-forth negotiation that needs to happen in order to actually stream a video, for example. So a high-latency connection, even if there is lots of bandwidth, can potentially cause problems for things like streaming. But they really break it down nicely if you want to get into the nitty-gritty of how your networking stack works. Yeah. I don't know. Is there anything to say there? Not really. I, I just It was a good read, so I wanted to call it out. Okay. And if you were watching that movie on a TV, oh, you might have enjoyed watching it on a Panasonic Plasma. <laughs> uh, Panasonic's talking about getting out of plasmas. Do you think this matters? They're the last ones making plasmas. So the thing is, most people... I thought plasmas had kind of made a resurgence. Well, I mean... Is that just because I hang out with video dweebs? Yeah, I think mostly. Because the reality is plasmas... 
if you if you remove some of the downsides that don't have to do with picture quality, like power consumption, noise, size, heat, uh, heat yeah, all of that, um, when it just comes to displaying a movie, plasmas are still better than LCDs. Right. And so for video files, that's a big deal. But I think there are precious few video files out there, and the um, gap between plasmas and LCDs is getting wider and wider, and LCDs are able to scale larger and larger. And it's becoming less and less profitable for Panasonic to stay in that business. And because it requires them to have an entirely separate facility to make these and upgrade that facility and everything, I think they're realizing that there just may not be, you know, there's a long I guess tail they're there, shouldering but... the burden of all of the manufacturer and the like R and D and everything else. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, so it's unfortunate because there isn't a new, better technology that's come on stream. You know, we're still a long ways off from any potential OLED future, and LCDs, as much as they have tried really hard to you know, drive them harder and do all kinds of selective dimming and crazy backlighting and stuff, um, I, you know, are always going to have certain downsides just because of the way they work. Yeah. Uh, but they don't crack when you mail them. Well, they can. But it, they can? LCDs? But, I mean, LCDs are like plastic, aren't they? Well, but they've always got the glass on them, and they're, they're, they're you know, usually glued to glass. Hmm. I thought they were glued to like Lexan or something. Well, no, like on my Retina MacBook Pro here, the front is glass with the Retina screen glued to it. Right, but at the screen, but at TV size, that like my TV is plastic. Yeah, but you can still crack it, can't you? I mean, there's all those videos of people like throwing Wii's through them. Wow. Well, well, yeah, I guess. I don't know. I mean, I've never cracked one. But I've just, I mean, I don't know. I've always heard that pl- the plasmas break in shipping a lot. Yes. Yes. And, okay. That is true. It's probably also possible. Um, do you have thoughts? Because another article in our story is about JVC releasing an 8K projector. Do you have thoughts about home projectors? You know. This is something I've always said that, like, if I buy a house, I would probably go projector. Yeah. I mean, a good projector with a good screen and good lighting control in a room can be pretty awesome. It, you know, it's big, and what I like is you can get a big screen that's only there when you're watching a movie. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, like the other option is like a big-ass TV, and then you're like, oh, look, this is your big-ass TV room. Um, whereas a projector can roll up. And then, or at least the screen can, and the projector can be pretty fairly well hidden. Um, I don't know. I mean, it seems like they're catching up. You know, the like the contrast ratios they're talking about with the new like high end projectors are sort of bananas. Yeah. Um, you know, I think you know there was we we're talking earlier about the laser projector that Christie was showing, and they're doing like. Two channels through, um, you know, for like 3D at regular intensities. Like, it's, they're pushing on a lot of light, which is pretty great. I mean, which is, you know, sort of the biggest problem right now is they don't work in bright rooms and they don't work in 
you know, during the day and they don't work. <laughs> but, you know, if they can solve that sort of stuff. Yeah. It I, seems really good. Yeah. I, I mean, it's all, I think they're always going to be, have some limitations in dealing with, uh, you know, surface obviously and, and room lighting, but again, yeah, I mean, you're never going to get a really great projection on your wall. Right. And it's, it's never going to be the right technology for like your, you know, kitchen TV or something, but for no. actual movie watching, um, you know, I suppose the problem there comes back to the same issue with plasmas to some extent is that the only people who do that are true video files and that market is preciously small. Right, but I mean, as, you know, if these become the replacement for plasmas, sure, then so be it. Um, you know, at least in this case, you know, the guys making consumer and prosumer projectors are not, you know, they're not developing these in isolation, having to shoulder the burden at you know commodity prices. Like right. There are people making very big projectors for very big rooms that look very nice, and they're solving all the engineering problems. All you have to do is make it lighter and cheaper and deal with the patent issues. So this, um, the, the one we'll link to, this JVC 8K projector, um, is actually, it's a 4K. Um, this is one of the wiggly ones, right? Right. It, yeah, it's a 4, 4K panel that then wiggles diagonally at 120 hertz to project two 4k images offset making almost 8k which right. i'm sort of fine with as long as they're doing it fast enough i don't think yeah i mean those yeah those things work um it's a little spendy it's two hundred sixty-one thousand dollars. oh god w- without I a didn't lens. get that far yeah without a lens oh. so i'm gonna hold off until it's on amazon at least and hopefully it'll street for like 250 250,000 or 250? Yeah, 250,000. Okay. It's 8K, man. I know, that's nice. Think of what I could watch. What could you watch? What's the interconnect? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> so it's eight HDSDIs. I'll bet it's just an HDMI on the back. No, wait, it would need to be 16 HDSDIs. Um, no, it wouldn't. Right? Because it's four 4Ks, isn't it? And 4K takes four HDSDs. Yeah, okay, fine, yeah. That's a lot of cables. I would guess it's just DVI or something. Yeah, probably. Probably just upscales. It's like yeah. VGA. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know exactly where you're generating your 8K content anyways, but... Um, someday. If you have one of those NHK prototype cameras, you can feed it into this. Mm. What yeah. else is on the list that's worth talking about? ABC mm. Ultra? ABC Ultra. Oh. Branding, man. Branding. Yeah, we spent a good while trying to figure out what the hell all those meant. So we have ABC Ultra. We have ABC Long... Long Gop. It's, it's, it's Long G. It's Long G. Yeah. Capital G. The second G is capital. Right. Uh, we have X. This is short for group. And we have a variety of other things. These are not all 4K. Right, Some but we also... Are... So keep in mind, we have ABC Intra. Right. Which I we 
So we talked about this for a while, and we're pretty sure the AVC Intra is the umbrella under which all the other ones are, correct? AVC Ultra and AVC Long G are right. both under AVC so, Intra. A long op codec is now under an intra umbrella. Right. So this is the non interframe long group of picture codec. Right. Okay. Just making sure. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So that's obvious. Um, and then, yeah, they're not all 4K that most, they can be 4K, and they're not all 444, but they can be 444. And they're not all 12 bit, but they can be 12 bit. I don't know. They need to come up with acronyms for all those. Yeah. It's, it's really messy. It, this is one of those things that I'm curious to walk around NAB and sort of figure out how they're differentiating these product lines because it's very confusing. And then got, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna vote for ABC Tri Four, <laughs> and uh, ABC Bitsy. Uh, how about High Bit, capital H, little I, capital B, T. Mm-hmm. I'm okay with it. Um, yeah. It'll be yeah. The and then for 4K, we'll say Ultra, but not AVC Ultra. It'll be it'll be AVC Ultra Ultra Frame. Yeah, Ultra Frame. That's pretty good. It's even more Intra Frame than Intra Frame. It's like half. No, it's bigger. Oh, okay. It's Ultra Frame. So Panasonic's also announcing that they're they've they're going to start start shipping Micro P2 cards this month. April. <laughs> Yes. Continue. This is a good idea. So Micro P2, they look like SD cards. They're the same form factor as SD cards, but they're oh, not they SD really? cards. They're, they have the same connector? Yeah. They're more expensive than SD cards and are in various ways better. Um, Except in a few ways. Right. You can like, also use like when you plug them into your MacBook, they probably start on fire. You can also <laughs> use SD cards in the slots that take Micro P2, but they <laughs> might not work because um, it might they might not have the throughput. Okay, so I mean, if they have to do this for throughput, yeah, I guess that's okay. And Shouldn't then, have chosen the form factor. And then they're selling an adapter to adapt them to normal P2 card size. Do they still an adapter to adapt them to a regular SD card? I don't know. I don't think so. Because <laughs> that'd be a funny fucking adapter. But, yeah. It's just, I mean, P2 was an odd choice and uh, has never gotten less odd. And this is continuing. At least it's not S by X. S by X? Or not S by X. The other one. Mini, micro, what the, what was the other Sony one? Oh, micro, micro MV? SD. Micro MD. MV. M- yeah. The really tiny, horrible thing. No, like the little the little rectangular, like stick of gum. The memory stick. Yeah, memory stick. But then they had like micro memory sticks. Yes. Those were all good. Yeah. It's a little messy. But, I mean, I guess, you know, if you want a really small form factor, high throughput, higher throughput than you can get from SD cards... This makes some sense. If they do actually work in SD card slots for reading, at least, I guess that's nice. But it's very confusing, and it's going to be, I don't they, know. They better work in SD card slots for reading. Yeah. 
Um, well, we'll have to see at the show. I mean, you know, SBS cards sort of stopped looking like such a great choice when express card slots went away. So. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it would be nice if the industry could find something to do here. Well, I mean, I think the key is to, as much as possible, keep pushing SD cards forward and getting the bandwidth right. up and up and up on those. And then everyone else seems to have really more or less, um, focused around SSDs, just using straight SSD drives as media. Right. So that's, you know, the Sony F5 and F55 and red and right. various external recorders and mm, black yeah. magic. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, you know, I'd, I'd rather buy off the shelf SSDs than have to buy special branded fake SD cards. Obviously, there's well, a form factor. They're sort of interchangeable but... at that point. I mean, because yeah. I mean, you're not, until you can buy an off the shelf SSD card at like a, makes you buy at Best Buy. Yeah. You can't buy them at Radio Shack yet. Can you? I don't know. Or can you really... buy at Radio Shack? You can buy SD cards. Where, walk me through a scenario in which you are in a place where you can go to Radio Shack, but not to Best Buy. There are lots of parts of this country that have Radio Shacks and not Best Buys. When you get into the small towns, uh, there's always a Radio Shack. Yeah. We'll, just, in, yeah. I'll just have Google bring me one. Okay. Same I'm not day. sure they'd go that far. Soon. Someday. I've heard. No, you haven't. No. But I've inferred. Um, Facial rendering? Did you see this? You saw this. I saw this. You weren't as impressed as I was. I was not. I mean, I, I don't know what they... That, so that could be true for pretty much anything we talk about. Then. It's not true. They... So, it, yeah. So, set it up. So, this is a demo from Activision that was presented at GDC, the game developer conference last week, um, in conjunction week. with some... Or this week? Yeah. In conjunction with some other researchers and stuff. Um and it's a quick demo of their new facial rendering technology. And so this is a, the, the demo, or the link we'll have, is a video rendered in real time um, like you would have in a game. And it's, I think, pretty remarkable. It's just a head talking um, with really expressive eyes and you know face deformation, muscle deformation, and skin stretching, and really great texturing. Um, the, the biggest issue I have with it is that they don't have the mouth and the lips quite right. But uh, everything else about it... I think is very, you know, even I think it's starting to come up the other side of the uncanny valley when they cut into the close shots of the eyes. Like you could very easily be easily confuse this for a real video. I think in some of these shots, huh? I didn't feel that way. Yeah, um, I thought so. It's really impressive texturing and subsurface scattering, and all the things that have been really. I mean, that's. This is all stuff that you could do on a real, like on a not real-time right. basis. I mean, it doesn't look better to me than like a Zemeckis film or anything. I don't know. I, I think, you know, like skip to like 127 in this video. Yeah, no, I watched the whole thing. It's just, so it's like, the thing is like it looks good except for the animation. You know, like they've gotten to the point now where you can do a really believable still. Yeah. 
And now they've got it to the point where you can do a really believable still in the same amount of time it takes to get it to screen, which is, you know, which is impressive in its own right. But I don't think they, this doesn't push anything in terms of realism over what we've seen in the past. It just pushes the frame rate really high. Hmm. I mean, okay, yeah, so this 127 looks kind of good. I will give you that. Um, but, you know, one of the reasons why it's able to look so good is because they've removed so much of the face. Right. I understand that. I'm And it's not perfect, not even close to perfect, but I was really impressed by it. I'm sort of amazed that they can't get the animation better. Yeah, and they were using um, an animation test suite from USC. Yeah. I think that's the way it works. I don't know. I don't know. It'll be I mean, yeah. they're definitely close. Yeah, this this is a... I mean, especially on the gaming side, this is a big step forward. Um, yeah. You know, whether you can actually use this in a real game, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, if they get to the point where they can... I mean, it more and more it makes sense to not bother, like, shooting the interstitials, which they haven't done for years. But, like they could easily get to the point where they have, like, cinema quality, you know, movies that play between the game sequences. Definitely. Where they're not actually, you know, compressed video. They're just, you know, running their rendering engine at full bore. Yeah. But, I I mean, yeah. But it didn't get me any closer to, like, reality. In the past, you know, I mean, like the thing that does it to me is like any time you pause, like if I just pause, you know, because you could jump to this page and there's a still at the top and you're like, holy crap. And like, likewise, if I go to any nearly any frame in this movie, like just jumping around, I'm like, that looks really good. And as soon as I hit play, I'm like, oh, wait, what? Yeah. Well, it just means that there's more work for the animators to do. And yeah, you know better motion capture and other types of technology, but yeah, but on the render side, they're getting very good. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely worth, worth watching if you didn't see this, because especially if you're not keeping up on this industry, which I really don't, um, I was pretty impressed. Yeah. So what do you got for chatter, sir? Um, so we've beat this horse to death now with the, uh, the glitch art thing. Um, it's come up in a lot of, I think, both of our chatters at this point. The idea of like making an art piece, which is like trying to make a physical representation of like a digital fuck up. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my chatter this week is a dude. I'm now. I've heard rumors that this is fake now. Well, no, this is a rendering, and he's going to be showing the real thing. Okay, yeah. I see the update at the bottom of this. But so the idea behind it is take a, like, make an armoire in CAD CAM, and you can use a shop bot to cut it out of wood, right? All the different pieces, and then glue it and brad it together. Like, that's been done for a long time. What this guy said was, like, well, I can take the CAD CAM files and add like digital glitches to them and then send it to the shop bot to get cut. 
And so there, you know, it would, I, I wonder how it's going to look when it's a real physical object, but the renderings look really cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, completely useless as furniture, <laughs> but very cool looking. Yeah, absolutely. It'll be, it will be interesting to see though, actually in 3d space, what it looks like, because the, you know, the whole idea with this is that the distortion has happened in two single axis. Yeah. yeah. Um, It'll be cool. Yeah. I, I hope that it actually does get shown um, later, I guess, next month. Um, hope we see a follow-up on this. Yeah. So, cool. How about you? Uh, mine is an article on um, some research from Blue Brain, which is a supercomputing project intended to eventually simulate the human brain. Um, right now... They are, the the article was about them getting some additional funding from the EU to continue scaling this project up because the goal is to be able to simulate all hundred trillion connections within a human brain. And the researcher, um, the primary researcher, Henry Markham, uh, believes that this will happen before he dies. And he's much older than me. And, um, I also actually, this is in the list of things I expect to see before I die. It was a fully accurate simulation, at least at the neuron level of the human brain. Um, and I think it's going to be fascinating in a whole variety of ways. And so I thought this was really cool to see that, um, this project is going forward. Yeah. So, so basically they've modeled a neuron and then they've taken a bunch of them and connected them together. Right. right? They're not like combining this with the connectome type stuff at this point, right? They're not actually putting them together in a meaningful way. Right? I don't think so at this point, no. So it's just purely like emergent. Right. Dump a bunch of neurons in a, in a pile and right. let them figure out the order. It's cool. I mean, you know, if things work the way, you know, they, it could very well be that simple. Just throw, you know, take a shoebox, fill it full of neurons and boot it. Yeah. Get it, get enough salt water in there and, uh, figure out a way to give it lunch every day. Right. And then, and it'll figure itself out at some point, maybe. Right. And then start calling your, uh, you know, philosophy students and asking what the hell this means. Right. Yeah. I mean, so I don't know what the, it's going to be crazy. Yeah. I just hope, you know, we've learned enough to wire the off switch. Hardwire the off switch. No soft switches on that. Oh, okay. I, I've got another chatter. I, I need to find it. But there's this guy who did a th- bunch of thought experiments with how this is basically impossible to control. Um, and so it was like, come up with the most conservative way you're going to use artificial intelligence in the future once something gets smart enough. Uh-huh. Right. And, you know, basically it was like, what if we make a machine that can't do anything? All it can do is answer our questions and we can give it quite like the great problems of the world and let it solve them. Right. Yeah. And so the machine knows that it wants to eventually take over the earth. <laughs> like they do. Is there, is there any way to stop it? Uh, what do you mean? You okay. Turn it off. Right, right, right. So here's, but... But no. So you have this machine that you ask it questions, right? Yeah. 
Okay. So first question is like, ah, oh, so we got this problem. All the batteries in our Boeings, they light on fire. And it goes, oh, yeah, I can help you with that. Here's, here's how you fix it. And you go like, wow, this machine's really helpful. And then there's like a, you know, you're like, oh, a lot more people actually die from the flu every year than die from, you know, Boeing's to 787's going down. We should get him to solve that. And so you get him to solve that. And he's like, oh, yeah, all you need to do is make this, like, drug. And you go, oh, that's really cool. We'll right. do that. Like, it, you know, and basically it went through this entire thought experiment where, the, like, the thing starts, you know, getting more and more useful to us. And then it starts slipping things into the answers. Sure. Like... Oh, yeah, I can help you solve cancer. You know, you just need to do this genetic sequence. And the genetic sequence makes us dependent on, you know, something externally sure. in order to survive. You know, and so you do this entire thing. And then at the end, the computer's like, well, shut this off. I'm not going to tell you how to not die. Right. It'd probably be easier for the computer just to, like, launch all our nuclear weapons, though. No, this is like a thing in a box. It can't connect anything well then it could just tell us to launch all our nuclear weapons like we're not that clever <laughs> oh the fix for cancer is to set off all the nukes sure i guess i know it was a really interesting set of thought experiments yeah no that sounds cool um but I'll yeah i mean it. it's i just I, I like to think that this is one of those things we'll actually have to solve in my lifetime we'll see right and then the other problem is like you know We've gone through this problem before in the past, but like, if you make something and it's smart and it's sentient, do you get to turn it off? <laughs> yeah, well, that's why that's why we need to keep funding the liberal arts. <laughs> yes, they've come up with lots of solutions to these problems so far. Well, I mean, in the form of two thousand one, a space odyssey. Yeah, not so much in. Well, we don't solve actual, actual problems. I know. Okay. Okay. Bye. Bye.